name is Brita, and this month, Women's History Month, I will be starting a new series. Throughout the month, I will be reading books about women in history. Do you enjoy learning about women in history who made a difference or changed the world? Then tune in to this series. The first book I will be reading is Who is Greta Thunberg by Jill Leonard, and in this episode, I will be reading chapters 1 to 3. For the next three chapters, tune in to the next episode. Enjoy! Who is Greta Thunberg? On August 20th, 2018, a Monday morning in Stockholm, Sweden, a girl in a blue hoodie and yellow raincoat hopped on her bike and rode from her home to the Swedish Parliament building, the meeting place of the country's government. She was barely five feet tall and wore her hair in two long braids. Her name is Greta Thunberg. She was 15 years old and she was skipping school. Was she doing it for fun? No, just the opposite. She had a very serious purpose. She was going to the government building to protest what she saw as a deadly climate crisis. A few months before, a newspaper had run an essay she wrote about her fears for the environment. I want to feel safe, she wrote. How can I feel safe when I know that we are in the greatest crisis in human history? So she decided to take action. Greta brought, brought a hundred flyers to give out to people. She also had a wooden sign that her father had helped her make. It was painted white and in large black letters. The message in Swedish read, School strike for climate. Her strike meant that, in protests, she refused to go to school. This was the very first day of her strike. Greta sat against a wall of the parliament building. She had tried to convince other young people she knew to join her, but nobody had. Greta was on her own. All day long, people passed by her. If they noticed her sign, they didn't ask about it. Nobody took a flyer, either. The next day, however, there she was, back at the same spot. For a while, a young man talked to her about her protest. He gave her a piece of chocolate, which Greta appreciated, but no crowd joined her. Like so many teenagers born in the 21st century, Greta understood the power of social media. She posted a photo of herself holding her sign on Instagram and Twitter. She contacted a few Swedish newspapers to tell them about her strike to call attention to climate change. Sure enough, a couple of local papers sent reporters. After that, Greta's strike started to grow. More and more young people joined Greta at the parliament building. Like her, they wanted the Swedish government to take action by passing laws that would help reverse global warming. The planet needed saving. It was Greta's belief that grown-ups were the problem. They weren't doing what was necessary to save the planet. Young people needed to make them see that. Or else, what kind of future would they have? Chapter 1. How it all began. Greta Thunberg seemed to have everything a child could want in life. She had loving and creative parents. Her mother, Melena Ehrman, was a well-known opera singer. Her father, Svante, was a writer and actor. Her little sister, Veda, was three years younger and looked up to Greta. And then there was Moses, Greta's adored golden retriever, and later on, a rescue dog named Roxy. The family lived in a large house at the top of a hill in the beautiful city of Stockholm. However, the Thunbergs wanted peace and quiet. It was only a quick trip to their weekend home on an island named Ingaro. Greta's parents had always taught Greta and Beta to be responsible about the environment. They turned off lights and didn't need to be, that didn't need to be on. They didn't waste water. They often rode bikes instead of taking their car. And when electric cars became available, they bought one. Sensitive, smart, and serious, Greta liked horses, dogs, ballet, and learning to play the piano. For companionship, she often turned to books, and she was a deep thinker who sometimes seemed more like a grown-up than a kid.
Sweden. Stockholm is the capital of Sweden, a country on the Scandinavian peninsula in the very north of Europe. The winters are long and cold. The summers are short and mild. Sweden has more islands than any other country in the world, more than 200,000. The city of Stockholm spreads across 14 of them. Sweden has a constitutional monarchy and a parliamentary system. That means there is either a king or queen with little power. The actual passing of laws is done by the elected members of the government, known as parliament. The head of parliament is called the prime minister. Then, when she was eight, something happened in school that changed Greta's life. Her class watched a film about global warming, how the Earth's average temperature was rising to a point that it was causing terrible harm to the planet. It was the reason why extreme flooding and dangerous dry spells had become much more common, as well as violent hurricanes and uncontrollable fires. From the film, Greta learned that ice caps at the north and south poles are melting. This is dangerous for polar bears, which all live in countries near the Arctic Circle. To find food, polar bears must swim from one sheet of floating ice to the next. Because of ice melting, the distance between these sheets of ice was greater. It was harder for the polar bears to make it from one sheet to the next. Many weren't finding enough food to eat. It upset everyone in the class to learn about this, but after the film was over, the other children were able to go on with the rest of their days. Not Greta. All she could think about was the polar bears. If global warming was the problem, why was no one stopping it? Greta's worrying grew worse and worse. By the time she was 11, all she could think about was global warming. She stopped eating. She stopped playing the piano. She stopped going to school. She even stopped talking. For hours, she would just sit with P Moses, petting and stroking his fur. Milena and Svante tried everything to encourage Greta to eat more. They offered her favorite fu foods, such as avocados and little potato dumplings. But nothing worked. Greta lost more than 20 pounds. Svante described this time as the ultimate nightmare for a parent. His child was suffering, and he wasn't able to help her. Chapter 2. An Answer After two months, Greta was no better. Her parents wanted to know what was wrong, so they took her to a children's hospital in Stockholm. A doctor there performed many tests, and fortunately, they did point to an answer, but a surprising one. Greta had Asperger's syndrome. Asperger's syndrome is a mild form of autism. It turned out that Greta's sister, Beta, also had Asperger's. Many kids with Asperger's syndrome or autism are talented in certain areas, including math or music, but social situations can be difficult for them. They find it hard to make friends and have to learn things that other kids just seem to know. For instance, that it makes people uncomfortable if someone stands too close to them while talking. With the doctor's help, Greta began to get better. She started to speak and eat again. She ate the same thing every day, pancakes filled with rice, and she wanted to eat by herself. Still, she was improving. Learning that she had Asperger's syndrome made complete sense to Greta. It explained why she saw everything in life as being black or white, meaning things are either right or wrong. In speeches, Greta has called having Asperger's her superpower. It made her able to put so much focus and energy into a single problem, saving the planet. An interest in the environment ran in Greta's family. A distant relative had been a famous scientist. His name was Fonte Arrhenius. In the very late 1800s, he was among the first to explain what he called the greenhouse effect, and he predicted that there would be global warming because factories and cars and trains were releasing so much carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Returning to school wasn't easy for Greta. Other kids were sometimes mean. They didn't understand why Greta spoke so softly and often didn't answer them. They thought she was being snobby. Greta, however, has often said, I only speak when it is necessary. That is another symptom of her Asperger's syndrome. Greta avoided other kids by spending recess and lunchtime in the school library. At times, her teacher came and helped her make up the work that she had missed. 
but that wasn't hard for Greta. Besides being smart, she has an, an extraordinary memory. It means that if she read something once, she remembered it in great detail. Greta also read as many books on the environment as she could, including one written by her ancestors, Fonte Arrhenius. She learned much more about what started global warming, and she wondered, is there anything that can be done to reverse the damage done to the planet? The Greenhouse Effect Unlike other planets in our solar system, the Earth is blanketed in a thick layer of invisible gases called the atmosphere. Some of the gases in the atmosphere, such as carbon dioxide, trap in heat from the sun. This is a good thing, as long as there isn't too much of it. Carbon dioxide keeps the Earth warm enough, both day and night, for plants and animals, including humans, to live. The atmosphere works like the glass roof of a greenhouse that holds in heat, allowing the plants inside to grow even during the coldest winter days. Chapter 3 Changing Times Greta had started learning about the environment when she was only about seven or eight. In time, she knew so much about this topic that, on a school trip to a museum exhibit about global warming, Greta even was able to spot some errors in the information about the display. She was so upset that she left the exhibit and waited outside for her teacher and the other students. From all her reading, Greta understood global warming had started about 200 years earlier, with the start of the industrial era in the mid-19th century. Machinery that used fossil fuels, coal, oil, and some natural gases was the root of this problem. The carbon dioxide that the machines released stayed trapped in the atmosphere, which held in too much heat from the sun and made temperatures rise around the globe. To Greta, that explained why, in Sweden, the summer of 2018 had been unusually warm. There had also been terrible forest fires in the north of her country that summer. Greta also learned from books about the pre-industrial era, which lasted from about 1750 to 1850. During that era, most people were farmers, and when anyone traveled, it was on a horse. Practically everything that people used in their daily lives, including tools and clothes, were made by hand, either at home or in small workshops. Then, Greta learned, by 1760, the Industrial Revolution began. The beginning of this era was marked by the invention of an improved steam engine. It meant that items were once produced by hand were being made in factories with the help of powerful machinery. They could produce things quickly and in large quantities. The machines, however, needed a fuel to power them, like coal. But burning coal released large amounts of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. This would have terrible consequences for the planet. By the end of the 1800s, horses were beginning to be replaced by cars. Instead of coal, car engines used gasoline or diesel fuel, which also spews carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Greta learned that the Industrial Revolution was when, most recently, the average global temperature started to rise because of all the carbon dioxide released by cars and factories. The Earth has reached a point where the past 10 years have been the hottest on record. All her reading informed in the way that Greta spoke about the warming, comparing it to a house. Our house is on fire, she has said many times. So, were leaders of the world doing anything to put the fire out? Thank you for listening to the first three chapters of Who is Greta Thunberg by Jill Leonard. For the next three chapters, tune in to the next episode. Happy Women's History Month!